Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you've joined me. You have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I'm going to spend some time answering listener questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me today. I'm going to take a little bit of time because I'm getting so many questions in the queue. I'm going to try not to let them back up too much and answer listener questions. This is something I really love doing. At the end of the day, we need to be focused on what God thinks. What does God say? What does his word say? How do we approach issues of faith and issues of culture from a perspective of biblical authority and biblical literacy? One of the main reasons why I am so concerned about the culture right now is because the church, in many respects, seems to have lost its way. It's one of the reasons why I founded Mom Strong International. Hope you guys will check it out. We are getting ready to launch a brand new website over there, and we're going to start moving into a new season at Mom Strong International. So I will be taking over again as the lead teacher and the lead uh, teaching voice over at MSI. But we also have guest teachers that come in. We release a new study at MomStrong International every single month. You don't have to be a mom to enjoy those studies. But what we've done is we've crafted them specifically to help you uh, be able to take what you're learning and pass it on to your kids or pass it on to the next generation or to your coworker to really understand, as uh, Paul taught Timothy, to be able to parse God's word out and rightly divide it. That is exactly what we are called to do as Christians. This is a wonderful time for you to join the community over at MomStrong International. Check it out at momstronginternational.com. All right, you are sending me awesome questions. I wanted to say thank you to those of you who have been committed to just uh, writing to me. If you've never left reviews for the show, I want to encourage you to do it. You can go to do it at Spotify now. And I am doing quite a bit of work with Anchor.fm. I hope you guys are paying attention to that. I get questions all the time about starting a podcast, doing your own ministry, that kind of thing. Anchor has literally been the best podcasting platform that I have ever used, and I've done several of them. So hope you guys will check that out and uh, keep sending those questions. And we're going to make more of a habit of getting to them regularly because really the question comes back to what does God think? What does God say? There are issues that we can disagree about. Certainly there are doctrinal issues that we will disagree about from time to time. But God's word is not that hard to understand once you have a framework for believing in the authority of scripture. And so that's going to be the focus for the next several months is just did God really say? And we're going to talk about what God says about marriage. What does he say about money? What does he say about friendships? What did he say about male and female? So many issues that we're grappling with in the culture right now. God's word has the answer to First question today comes from Jen in Oregon. She said, Heidi, a suggestion related to a topic on the August 1st podcast. So for those of you who don't remember, and I'm sure that's everybody because even I didn't remember, on August 1st, I talked about helping you find companies that are not woke. So in other words, how do you support a company that you know your money isn't going to fund the abortion industry or the trans transition transgender nonsense that is happening from these woke corporations that are literally paying to mutilate our children. We're going to talk about a little bit more about that next week. But I love this because uh, Jen actually sent in a link, and I'm going to link back to it today. It's called Second Vote, and Second's vote, uh, Second Vote's goal, so your first vote obviously is at the ballot box, 
Second vote has a goal of stopping companies and organizations from funding the attack on traditional American values. So your first vote is cast at the ballot box, hoping to make a difference. And your second vote is in the checkout line. Corporations use a portion of the money that you spend to fund a number of causes. This is especially true in the unions. Many of them are harming our families, our communities, and our future. With second vote, you become an informed consumer who knows how your money is used after it's spent. So I'm going to link back to this. So I checked it out. I actually went there before uh, I recorded today, and I really like it. Uh, At secondvote.com, it says, Our focus is educating consumers to make informed decisions that align their dollars with their values, empowering them to impact corporate organization activism. Second Vote's mission is to stop companies and organizations from funding the attack on traditional American values. I super love this. You guys can check it out. They're going to give you all kinds of uh, content, good and bad actors. They've got uh, this. They've got information on the Southern Poverty Law Center, Black Lives Matter. They have videos. They've got blog issues they support. Uh, I'm going to list them for you. Basic freedoms, the Second Amendment, civil, safe society, education, um, life. I love this. And so they score these companies and they're going to give you uh, their scoring criteria. So how they score it and what the frequently asked questions are. So I hope you guys will check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes today. Again, that is secondvote.com. So thank you, Jen in Oregon, very much for sending that in. Amanda in Georgia has some questions related to her daughter getting baptized. She said, congratulations on your daughter getting baptized. I saw a comment that someone made, and I was always taught this too, so I want to get your perspective. After a child is saved, she then is baptized. What did you do with your daughter, and how did you explain baptism? My daughter was saved last year, and she is getting baptized at the end of the month, but she still has tons of questions, and I want to set her up for success. And so the way that we talk to our kids about baptism is basically just taking them straight to the Bible. So the thing your daughter needs to understand more than anything else is that baptism is not what saves you. The Bible says that we've been saved through faith alone is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Baptism is an outward expression of something that has already happened inside of you. And so when we talk to our kids about baptism, we want them to know that it symbolizes an inward phenomenon that has happened inside of you, that we believe that God is real and that we believe that those of us who come to him can be forever reconciled to him. So the purpose of baptism is to give visual testimony of our commitment to Christ. It's the first step of discipleship. And I'm going to read to you out of the book of Acts because I love the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. And this is found in Acts chapter eight, verses 26 to 39. Listen to this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury, which means of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Boy, my goodness, you guys, that's. I'm I'm going to not rabbit trail, but I'm going to come back at some point. I really want to start talking more about the work of the Holy Spirit. So amazing that God speaks to us through his spirit. So the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Uh, How can I? He said, unless someone explained it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading, quote, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus, right? Gospel means good news. So Philip's going to share the gospel with him. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can now stand in my way of being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. What an amazing story. This is baptism, the first step of discipleship. The Greek word for baptism literally means to dip or to immerse. The symbolism of baptism is that just as Christ died and was buried, so the baptized person is submerged, whether physically or symbolically, under the water. And just as Christ rose up from beneath the, the, the earth, so the baptized person rises up from beneath the water. So under the water is the believer's old, dead, heavy, suffocating life. And out of the water symbolizes we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we are living a new, fresh, purposeful life. Baptism, this is another really good way to explain it to your daughter. Baptism is like a wedding ring, right? So why do we wear a wedding, wedding ring? You guys can see that I'm wearing my ring today, right? I'm about to get my grandmother's ring fixed. You guys know that I lost the diamond and miraculously uh, the Lord helped me answer to prayer and I found that diamond again. So I'm about ready to get it uh, put back into, uh, mounted back onto that ring. But but rings are important, right? Why do we wear a wedding ring? Well, we put a wedding ring on as a symbol of our commitment and devotion to the person that we have decided to spend the rest of our life with. In the same way, baptism is a picture of devotion and commitment to Christ. So wedding ring reminds me and tells others that I belong to J. St. John. I belong to someone special, special to me, right? In the same way, baptism reminds me and the other people around us. So baptism is going to tell your daughter and everyone who's watching that she is devoted to Jesus and she belongs to him. It's a precious, precious step in a lifetime of following Jesus. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Next question comes from Ashley in South Carolina. She said, Heidi, I recently listened to your podcast with Jessica about yoga as a pagan practice. My question is, what about churches who want to take part in Halloween, uh, Christmas, and Easter, which is rooted in pagan fertility worship? And why don't churches honor the seven feasts that God commanded as perpetual ordinances? I used to teach yoga and have stepped back from it because it is a source of confusion for me now. And I know that our God is not the author of confusion, but I've yet to find a church that really follows the biblical teaching as it relates to the biblically appointed Sabbath and the feasts of God, as opposed to man-made pagan Roman traditions. I'm curious about your thoughts on the subject. Thank you. God bless your mission. All right. So there are a lot of questions. First of all, let's just touch on, just for fun, because it's going to come up, right? We're heading into the fall. Uh, Halloween is going to come up. I have talked about this for years and years and years. The uh, Obviously, Halloween is not uh, a holiday that honors God. And in fact, it honors the opposite things, right? But I don't believe 
that churches should be participating. I do think you can come up with other things, though. I love it that churches have harvest festivals. I love it that we and we still take our kids every single year to the pumpkin patch. We love fall. And in fact, I've already started decorating for fall at my house. We were just a Hobby Lobby because, as you all know, those of you who love Hobby Lobby like I do, they just had all their fall and Thanksgiving things 50% off. So we went over there and snagged ourselves some Thanksgiving decorations and some fall decorations. I love the celebration of the changing of seasons. But I honestly believe that in some regards, we we get so hung up on uh, looking at pagan roots and trying to find, you know, a, a demon under every rock that we don't have any joy anymore. And so what am I going to do with my kids this fall? I'm going to do the same thing with them this year that I've done for years and years and years. We don't celebrate Halloween at our house, but we definitely celebrate fall. I love it. I'm going to decorate my house. I'm going to light candles. I'm going to put uh, orange and uh, and nutmeg in my diffuser, and it's going to be fabulous, and we can't wait to do it. In terms of Christmas, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I do not believe uh, Christmas is not a pagan holiday. It is the Christian remembrance and celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And people who say, well, this is a this is a, a pagan holiday misunderstand this, right? And we're seeing this over and over again, right? Christians saying that Chris, Christmas traditions have pagan or, origins. So I understand the question. The question's legitimate. I'm going to read to you a little bit from what I found at gotquestions.org. I've answered this question before. I'm going to link to this article in the show notes today because I think it's so important. But listen to what they say. First, the pagan origins from Christmas are far from certain. The winter solstice, which is often tied with Christmas, never falls on December 25th. Uh, Likewise, Saturnalia, which has also been proposed as the origin of Christmas, was never celebrated on December 25th. And as for other Christmas symbols, such as trees and candles, they may have had some pagan connotations, but these are so common in human experience that it can hardly be claimed that their use was ever exclusive to paganism. Second, the meaning of any word, symbol, or custom is determined by current usage, not origin. Many words and practices have departed from their origins and no longer mean anything close to what they once did. Now, this isn't true for yoga. And I made this I made this distinction when I talked about this with Jessica Smith some years ago. The origins of pagan are still, or I mean, the pagan roots of yoga, which is a religion in and of itself in Hinduism, are still very much intact. They're still very much practicing. Yoga is part of a religion that is still very much intact. So if you asked the average American, for example, to tell you about the origins of Christmas, almost every single person is going to say, well, that's the birth of Jesus Christ. So for example, my kids were never confused about Santa Claus and Jesus. They understood that the that Christmas was the birth of Jesus Christ. So regardless of what is happening around you with regard to Christmas or regard to Easter, people know I mean, has the culture hijacked it and said, oh, oh, uh, Easter is about a, an Easter bunny? Absolutely. But those of us who grew up in the church, we know that Easter for the Christian is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. So my encouragement has always been, especially to parents, keep the focus of Christmas and Easter on the birth of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when there's a culture clash, take your children back to the gospel. What is it the Bible says? What does the Bible teach about the birth of Jesus Christ? And we've chosen in our in our culture to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. I rejoice that we live in a world that is still acknowledging 
even though they're doing a pretty sad job of it, still acknowledging Christmas at all. And so I Christmas is about Jesus. I celebrate Christmas with our kids. We love to uh, to bring the holidays into our home. I think it's a really good thing. If you look at uh, Halloween, you're not going to be able to make any good case for why a Christian should celebrate Halloween. But as far as Easter goes, when Christmas goes, and actually I'm a huge fan of celebrating the feasts. I think that you're looking at the feast through the lens of the Old Testament where, uh, and in fact, I was just listening to Dennis Prager the other day talking about Shabbat and how every single Friday for three hours, they have people over to their house for like a three-hour meal. And it's their way of just reflecting on the week. They've they've made this, this um, tradition. It's a Jewish tradition, obviously, but they've made this tradition something that they do with their neighbors and people that are in their lives. And it's become a really precious thing that they look forward to. We have lost a lot of that in uh, in Christendom. Absolutely true. I had a woman, I've lost touch with her now, but she wrote a book on the feasts uh, in the Bible. So the Feast of Tabernacles was one of the really big ones. And I actually went to her house one year and we celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles and I loved doing it. But I want to encourage you, do not fall into the trap of legalism whereby you have to do these feasts that God teaches about in Exodus and in Leviticus. So there's a difference between the pagan roots in uh, in yoga and what you see the world bringing into Christmas, which is about Jesus. Christmas is about the birth of Christ, right? Uh, Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so don't let the world's uh, whitewashing of these once beautiful traditions and celebrations that have to do with our Lord uh, keep you from celebrating. I have friends that that don't celebrate these uh, these uh, holidays anymore, and it makes me sad because in our house, it's joyful. We get just a few times every year to celebrate the special things that um, that Jesus did, right? The most amazing thing is his, his rising from the dead, right? Easter is not about the Easter bunny. It's about Jesus. So keep your focus on that, especially when it comes to raising your children. Uh, Here's another question. This is from Charlene in Washington. Same thing. I love that you guys are thinking about these. So keep your questions coming. I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit more next week because we had a similar question coming up. But Charlene in Washington said, I'm curious on your take on Jehovah's Witnesses practices not celebrating birthdays or Christmas. I've always felt like they have too strong of feelings staying away from those things. But from what I understand, they do so because they stem from pagan rituals and traditions. I've always felt with our intentions not being the same, there's no harm in celebrating them from a Christian perspective. And now that I've listened to the podcast on yoga, I'm curious about looking into traditions in my life that might have similar roots. So the first thing you need to understand about the Jehovah's Witnesses is that they do meet the definition of a cult. If you look very carefully at their doctrinal positions, they don't hold to Christian positions on most of the subjects that we would agree on. For example, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael, the archangel, which is the highest created being. But we know that Jesus was not a created being. And in fact, I was just having this conversation with my grandson the other day. He went on a hike with his dad up Multnomah Falls and came back and was like, Mamsie, I was talking to dad and he said that God always was. And he looked at me and his little, you know, his little eyes are just moving back and forth and he's trying to bring it in. He goes, Wow, right? Uh, Jesus was not a created being. This is why the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. This contradicts so many scriptures, which clearly declare Jesus to be God. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that salvation is obtained through a combination of faith and good works and obedience, which, of course, contradicts 
uh, countless scriptures which declare salvation is received through grace alone, through faith, right? The Jehovah's Witnesses reject the Trinity. They believe, obviously, that Jesus was a created being and the Holy Spirit is basically an inanimate, uh, inanimate power of God. Jehovah's Witnesses reject the concept of Christ's substitutionary atonement and instead hold to a ransom theory that Jesus' death was a ransom payment for Adam's sin. And so they justify these un, these unbiblical doctrines uh, because they think that the church has corrupted the Bible over the centuries. So my point is, if the Jehovah's Witnesses tell you that they don't celebrate Easter or Christmas or birthdays, I don't listen to anything they have to say because their doctrine, for one thing, is majorly messed up. And for all the reasons that I just told you a few minutes ago, I actually think celebrating Christmas is a good thing. Celebrating Easter is a good thing. If you start teaching your children that there's nothing in this life to celebrate and that the birth of Jesus isn't worth celebrating and that uh, Easter is just nothing but a pagan holiday, then we're missing an opportunity to celebrate the wonderful thing that God has done uh, in sending Jesus in the first place. And so don't miss out on the opportunity to celebrate the risen Lord. Don't miss out on the opportunity to celebrate uh, Christmas with your kids and to create traditions. Traditions are very important, by the way, for children. They root them. They remember them. It's an opportunity for you to celebrate family and to thank God for the amazing gift that he's given you and giving gifts to each other. And so I love the uh, the holidays. I love the changing of the seasons. You guys have heard me talk about this forever and ever. Amen. And I think it is worth celebrating with your kids. And so, uh, Charlene, I appreciate the question. Actually, we got lots of questions about this. And I'm going to bring a really dear friend of mine on the show. And we're going to unpack this a little bit more. But just recognizing, I love that you are thinking particularly about yoga. There's a whole big reason why I chose that particular topic because it really opened my eyes to uh, the blatant disregard of scripture and how I could have been potentially harming myself and even my children and participating in something like that. It seems innocent on its face, but upon just a little cursory examination, you're definitely, there's nothing innocent about it. It's when we're talking about yoga and you're comparing it to Christmas or you're comparing it to Easter, to me, that's apples and oranges. They're completely different things. So, hey, that's all I've got time for today. Thank you guys so much for sending your questions in. We appreciate it here at the show. We've got some really great guests coming up. I would love to hear from you. If you guys have guest ideas or you have topic ideas that you'd like us to cover, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. You'll see a couple of different options for forms to fill out. Also, this is a great time to sign up to join me at MomStrong International. Our fall studies are getting ready to get underway. Have a great day, everybody, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. 